Stevie Jill here. Hello. Welcome to the Land Academy Show, entertaining real estate investment talk. I think it's the House Academy Show. Mm-hmm. I'm Stephen Jack Butala. And I'm Jill DeWitt, broadcasting from sunny Southern California. Today we talk about, we talk with Mike Marshall regarding the tips because he's a major city zoning planner. Mike, how are you today? Doing good. How are you guys? Excellent. Good. Sun came out. That's nice. <laughs> Welcome. Mike's also in Southern California. Mike, why don't you start out telling us a little bit about your background, and then I know we've had on the show before, a little bit about your background and, and a little bit about what you do with the city, and then what you're kind of doing on the side. Sure. So um, I've been in city planning for probably about the last 15 years, um, both in um, Texas. So I worked for the city of Austin for a while. And then um, here in Northern LA County, a city of Santa Clarita, that's where I spent most of my career, um, but in planning, but also land development as well. And so planning kind of has two sides. It's one is long range planning, looking at general plans and you know, 20, 30 year plans looking out into the future. And then there's the current planning side, which is the actual development process that's going on in the city at that time. And so I've been doing that for the last 15 years. Um, and then on the side, started doing some project management outside the city, um, specifically in the city of LA. And through both experiences, you know, you get a lot of um, experience with zoning and land use regulations. And so you're able to kind of navigate that probably better than most. And so I've been able to utilize that as kind of my advantage. You know, you talk about trying to find a niche. And I, I think that's essentially what happened is the niche found me really through working at the city and everything like that. And I was able to kind of parlay that into an advantage when looking at doing investment deals. Now, I've never asked you this before. What's a, what's a regular day for you? Yeah. <laughs> a regular day for me is a, a get up at five o'clock. Um, I'll go and I'll, I'll get up at five, I'll go work out and I'll come back in and I'll do some work on the side stuff for about an hour. Um, get to the regular city job at 7.30, take a lunch break, do some more side work during lunch, uh, get home, you know, in time to do dinner and stuff with the kids. And then about eight o'clock, do more side work till about 10 or so. And then uh, kind of repeat, you know, over and over again. I mean, just anything that you have to do to make it happen, right? Until the time comes when you're able to, to leave and make it a full-time thing. That's what you have to do. Yeah, whatever it takes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, I, Jill and I started this company or this version of this company in uh, really in 2011 and then started Land Academy in 2015. And the whole time in the back of my head, I'm like, at some point it's going to be really nice not to have this crazy schedule. And it just never happened. <laughs> That's what I'm afraid of. I'll just fill the space with something else. Let's just be real. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's crazy how much time we spend working. Joe and I, we were talking about it. For whatever reason, this is just caught up with Joe and I this week. We're like, it's too, it's too, too, too much work. Yeah. <laughs> figure this out. I, I come to the conclusion that I must like it. Otherwise, I'm just a sadist or something. It's one of the two, you know? Uh, so I think I must like it is what it really comes down to. <laughs> how much does uh, how much do you interact with the other people in the same positions in nearby cities and and then with the county 
as a whole? I'm super curious. Yeah, good question. Well, I mean, just like any other profession, there's, you know, professional organization that kind of keeps everybody connected. So there's, you know, regional and, and national conferences that you connect with a lot of people. And, and the, the community of, of planners is smaller than you would think, even if in a region like Southern California. So people tend to bounce from city to city or county to county. And so you kind of end up knowing people all over the place. And again, that's one of the things that's come to my advantage as well. So I just have people I can call directly instead of kind of going through the front door, I can go through the back door and really talk to people directly that I've known for years and get the kind of straight story on stuff. So Jill and I in our show, we've been talking about this, this uh, mysterious business part that partner that we have on this mysterious mailer that we did in Los Angeles County recently. And so we're here to take the mystery out of that. The mysterious par partner is Mike Marshall here. And the mailer that we did is zoning based. So can you de describe, this is kind of your idea. You came to us with it. Can you describe where you got the idea and, and why it's so successful? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I think just over the years in, in doing development and, and looking at zoning codes and everything like that, I just ultimately figured out that there was a lot of property that was underutilized. There was a lot of property out there that would have maybe a, a one to four unit property on there and it can have by zoning would allow for maybe 30, 40, 50 units on there in some cases. And so I just really started seeing the opportunities out there and I started wondering, well, gee, I mean, how, how could we actually go and isolate and really focus on just those ones? And um, I had experience with uh, RealQuest, you know, through working at the city. And so I would play with that a lot, you know, and kind of figure out some of it. Um, and then from there, it just really was a matter of applying that to a different jurisdiction. So going to the city of LA, city of LA is great in a lot of ways because they have a very robust GIS system. They have a lot of layers that they, they put a lot of money and investment into it. And so it works really well for this um, because you just get so much information and data from them. And so um, I just started playing with it, you know, and seeing what kind of results would come out of it. And then did a, a test mailer of about, I think it was about 3,500 or so, 4,000. And um, ended up getting one out of that, um, out of that one. So that was kind of the first test, um, so to speak. Uh, we bought a small property from a church about a mile from Dodger Stadium. And, um, you know, and then turned that over, got a finder's fee for it. And this kind of kept moving on from there. So f with that, you know, I just saw that there was, there was an opportunity um, and that it could really be expounded upon. And then from there, you know, I started looking at other, you know, cities surrounding LA, you know, so I started looking at that and seeing what kind of potential there was there. And the same themes started to kind of repeat themselves, you know, and so one city will be better than the next, et cetera. But ultimately the same themes kind of present themselves in that, there are underutilized parcels where you can take advantage of that if you understand the zoning and land use regulations and things like that. I have to tell you, and I'm, you know, I'm really speaking not to the audience, but this is just opening a Pandora's box of opportunity uh, with this. For, this is the first for real urban type mailer that I've ever done in my career with with, with anybody else, and it's opening my mind to just the possibilities of what I call otherwise unusable property. There's a lot of urban unusable property that I really now am starting to really see that can be used for stuff. Yeah, you know, it really can. I mean, sometimes the, the zoning doesn't necessarily um, 
kind of acknowledge that or allow for that. And so sometimes what you end up having to do is you have to kind of do a little bit of lobbying, you know, you got to talk to the, the city or the county and say, hey, look, you know, here's these underutilized parcels, the zoning doesn't allow me to do something with it. You know, how about we work together to either change the zoning or to allow us to do something creative with it to make a use out of it. Because ultimately, every jurisdiction does want to see that the property is utilized. And because otherwise, it could just become a nuisance in a lot of instances. Do they listen to you, Mike? Could, could a normal person walk in and, and have that kind of conversation? It's tough. Again, it depends on the jurisdiction that you're in, but it is hard to go in just blanket in there and, and brand new to it and understand what you're really doing. You know, you could go in and kind of fiddle around and ask questions. And, and it's, it's not as though it's rocket science. It's just a matter of patience, you know, and being able to ask the right questions. And are you going to be able to tolerate that and, and understand really what's going on behind the scenes, you know, because you're going to get a lot of no's at the front, the front desk people or the people that are answering the phones, they're going to tell you no to stuff because that's what they've been told and they don't know any better and they don't have the authority to make any decision and it's just easier for them to say no and hope that you go away and never call back that's just it's easier for them and it happens it happens all the time so like if you know the right questions to ask and you're a little bit forward and say no i'm not going to accept that can i talk to your supervisor and but do it in a nice way you know that that helps but like i said earlier you know the fact that i have you know, just people I've known over the years, I've been able to utilize that and send them just a quick email directly, and that's been a benefit as well. So good. So um, once, if, if you got through to the right place, because this is all about, so this is questions I wondered too. Like, I got through the right person. We're on the same page. He also realizes the, the value of changing the zoning because what I could do with it and how it's going to help the, the neighboring area. How long does it take for that stuff to take effect? Um, yeah, in a lot of cases, it, it takes a good amount of time. It could take six months, you know, to a year to go through the process. And depending on the type of city that it is, which that kind of sounds weird, but depending on the type of city that it is, there's certain um, limitations on how many zone changes they can actually do within a year. And so they want to save those up for very certain specific instances. So if it's like a big project, they want to save those up, you know, um, and so it could get limiting in that sense. The best case scenario is for you to be able to go in and, and be able to convince the city that it's in their best interest to change the zoning and have them change it themselves rather than you change it. So, you know, if you change it, you can go in and pay the money and put in an application and go through the six to 12 months, or you could get them on board and hopefully they'll change it and they'll do it faster themselves. And then they'll be cheaper. I, I think that's the, the magic here. You know, the magic here is that these properties for their current use, the zoning's already been changed. Right, right. And so, I mean, yeah, that, that in those situations where, where the zoning doesn't, where it's already been changed to allow for something positive, then obviously you want to go in and take advantage of those ones. Um, and in cases where you have vacant parcels that are kind of underutilized, again, you have to kind of figure out why it's being underutilized. Um, there's a lot of like nuance to it too, where like a zone change would be like the most obvious, but the reason why you end up having to do a zone change is because somebody is interpreting your proposed use to fit into a very specific category. They'll have a list of categories like your business or your use has to fit into one of these categories. And if it doesn't, we're going to interpret it as though it's closest to this one over here. 
Oh. And so then they'll categorize you, put it into that category. And then because of that, you have to do a zone change. So if you get creative and you say, well, I'm actually not that use. I'm actually something else. I'm more like this because my business operates like A, B, C, and D. Then you can kind of get a different interpretation. And then maybe you don't even need a zone change at all. So it's some, a lot of it comes down to, again, nuance and interpretation and then getting somebody to be on, on your side with it. I gotta tell you, I don't know if it's because of the deals that we're doing right now, or even just where we live, because it's mm. it's it's a big issue out here in um, yeah. Los Angeles with the changes and what's coming. But I do read that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you know, back and based on a conversation we had the other day, and I was pulling up the zoning, and I'm looking, and I saw like a like a, a no height restriction. I'm like, whoa! Yeah. Yeah. Now I know what you're talking about with this developer i'm like now i see the value there wow that's exactly. very interesting article in our local paper i think it was in our local yeah, paper gonna bring that the, up. the required well go ahead well i'm gonna let him comment on that and then i have another follow-up okay. thing yeah oh this is you read a little an article said in another paper and well okay, was, so what it was so i it was actually in um it was in next door you know the next door app and everything right here we are in South Bay. It covers um, Manhattan Beach, Hermosa Beach, Redondo Beach. And the, the media is going out of what, uh, how many homes they anticipate to have here with yeah. upcoming zoning changes right. to allow for, you know, the not demand. what used to be two, now will be four, maybe to eight. To satisfy the anticipated yeah. demand. Exactly. And the, the locals here are hopping mad because they don't want that to happen. I'm like, you know what? The mix is so mad. You know, people are going to come anyway. We need we need yeah. to, to do this. So it's so interesting to me that because we're 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 all into it because we live here. And mm-hmm. um, how how far in advance is this? Was this? Are we just now getting what's going to happen in five years? I mean, what at what point does it hit our radar? So what happens is, or what's happening in this instance you're talking about is that the state is looked out for the next like 20 to 30 years and said, based on demographic trends and immigration, emigration, we're anticipating that there's going to be X number of people coming into the state of California. So we know that there's going to be this need for housing. And so there's something that they're working on. It's called the regional housing needs assessment. And what they're saying is, is that here's this total number for the state and we have to divvy that up by region. And so there's these local area governments in Southern California, it's called the Southern California Area Governments, SCAG, I think is what it's called. And essentially that organization is responsible for taking that regional number given by the state and then they have to allocate that number to all the different cities within let's say LA County area. And it's based on a variety of different factors and the formula that they have to, they've been using has been under debate and it's been fought over left and right. But just recently within the last few weeks, um, SCAG has come out with their actual formula and now everybody's getting a sense for what those numbers are looking like. And so now you start seeing it in the media and people are getting really upset and they're getting upset at their local cities, but really it's something that's being handed down by the state because the state is looking at that number. A lot of people freak out and understandable. I get why, why that is the flip side of the coin. Cause there's always another side of the coin. The other side of the coin is that now there's this demand for housing and then come in what we're talking about. Now you have developers that want to be building to be able to meet that need. And you have all this underutilized property out there that needs to be unlocked. 
And that's where the three of us come yeah. in and yeah. we're happy to Perfect serve time. it up on a platter. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, absolutely. But great timing. And it's just going to continue that way. And so when we talk about, you know, a potential downturn in housing and people being concerned about that, I understand the mindset, but for at least for what we're talking about, I'm not as concerned because the demand isn't going away. You know, if anything else, if, 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 you know, the market turns or if even if affordability is worse off, people need housing still and the numbers aren't going to change. And so it, the demand is still there. And so it's just, I'm not as concerned about it. Um, honestly, it just means that you, it's like you guys have talked about before, it just means you have to buy lower. You just have to buy better. Do people, you know how, um, we've been in, we've been in uh, city offices where people are walking in with a postcard and they put it down and they say, we need to talk about this assessment here because this guy did this and this I did that. You know, they're all trying to keep it really low. Mm. Does this happen in this situation? People walk in and go, oh, no, we're not going to be zoned that way for, for me. Is that? Yeah, I mean, it can certainly happen just because of depending on how the assessor places that with that mill rate that they have, or however they put that on based on the land use that could be a big difference. I mean, so if I'm like a single family um, homeowner on a lot that's going to be changed, have a zoning change for multifamily, then there's a possibility that, yeah, my taxes could go up. We, you know, in the city, we don't really re deal with that too much because we're referring them to county assessor's office for, for all of that. But yeah, you get that, that kind of stuff. That does happen. It's interesting. This is just fascinating. Do, do all the zoning changes happen? Uh, along this, that, uh, when it happens within this program that you're discussing, do they all happen at once during a year? Is it all throughout the year? Yeah, it'll generally be all throughout the year. Um, it's just depending on what kind of projects they have going on. So like the city of LA, if they were, you know, like they're building the new stadium right now, right? Like, you know, if they had to change the zoning for that for some reason, that's something that the city would probably initiate doing just because of, of the economic benefits that come along with that, the interest involved in that, they're going to do that themselves. On something that's a smaller parcel, they're not going to be probably as inclined to change the zoning. So, you know, it's just an uphill climb to, to be able to get there. There's numerous boards and approval boards within the city of LA that you have to go through to get that to happen. So that's why the time that's involved that we're talking about, mm -hmm. you know, and, and in general, you know, in terms of like making these, you know, properties marketable to buyers, it's just, if there's not a zone change required, then they're much more interested in it, obviously. And, and the city of LA particularly is notorious for having an older and inefficient zoning code. And because of that, that's where the opportunities are. I mean, that's real estate, right? In anything or in a lot of markets, the inefficiencies is where the opportunity is. And so that's the same. And that's where my, my connection to all of it was. I saw how inefficient the zoning code was. And I'm like, there's opportunity here. It's fascinating talk, Mike. Before we let you go, do you have any advice for somebody who's, let's say, in the middle part of the country or the eastern part of the country that wants to take a look at trying to uh, accomplish what we're trying to, what we're accomplishing out here in L.A.? Yeah, you know, I'd say the first thing is, is, you know, if you don't have the desire or the or the ability to get to learn like the, the zoning code and land use, that's completely okay. You just got to find somebody else that does. You know, that that's the first thing. So if you have an expertise doing whatever your portion of the business is, focus on that, let somebody else, you know, do this part of it. And that's completely fine. But I do think that that there are some cities out there, a lot of cities where you can really learn the baseline zoning and do this type of thing and, and still be successful. You know, city of LA is just a very nuanced and very thick 
um, example, and that would be the case in probably a lot of jurisdictions or large metros in LA, or sorry, not in California, for example. But I'd say, you know, find a partner who knows the land use stuff, and then really focus more on, on identifying the buyers, you know, focus more on building your buyers list and, and, and create that demand. So that way, when you do hit it right on the mailer that you can really um, place those deals as fast as possible. You know, so I think you have two sides of it. You have the understanding zoning and land use, but you need the contact and the connections with the builders and developers. Excellent advice. That would be my, that was, I was just going to say that too. It's kind of get to, get to know the lay of land and then get the buyers because the deals are there. Yeah, the deals are certainly there. And you can, once you just make contact with these builders, you know, or the developers, they're going to be interested. They're always looking for deals, you know, and um, if you can bring it to them on a regular basis, they're going to be happy to talk to you. That's for sure. As we're finding out. As we're finding out. (laughs) We know your time is valuable. Thanks for spending up with us today. Join us every Tuesday and Thursday for the House Academy Show. And if you need us five days a week, you can find us Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on the Land Academy Show. Tomorrow, the episode on Land Academy, is uh, the show is actually called How to Turn a Hate Call into a Love Call by Joe. You are not alone in your real estate ambition. Mike, it's a pleasure to talk cool. to you as always. Thank you very Great. much. Thanks, I know you're Jeff. busy. I know. If you like <laughs> taking your part of your lunch break, and I super appreciate it. Oh, no, not a problem at all. Happy to talk to you guys. It's great. It's a good time. Great. Wherever you're watching or wherever you're listening, please subscribe and rate us there. We, we are Stephen Jill. Information and inspiration to buy undervalued property.